welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friends. I'm Marcy Farrell from ThankfulHomemaker.com, and I'm so glad to be with you here today. I know this episode finds us in the middle of December and Christmas is coming upon us fast. We can tend to get caught up in all the busyness of the season and lose the main focus of the season, which is Emmanuel, God with us. So I want to talk a bit today of what it means for Christ to be with us at work and in and through us and the reality that if we're in Christ, he's come to make his home with us to dwell with us. So my hope is that we're going to get a better grasp of what it means to dwell and rest in Him. And today's episode is number 49, and it's titled The Benefits of Abiding in Christ. So many times in my walk as a believer, I've heard and I've read the term, quote, abide in Christ, and didn't have a full understanding of what that meant. I know abide means to remain in, and I pictured it as a state of resting in Christ. But studying through John 15 has been a help to me in grasping fully what our Lord meant as he walked and talked with his disciples on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. So picture this. Our Lord has just left the upper room in John chapters 13 and 14, where he and the disciples shared a Passover meal together. During their time together in the upper room, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, and he dismissed Judas, who would betray him. That's all from John 13. Now in John 15, they're headed in the darkness of the night to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus' timing in giving this teaching to his disciples was was very needed because they were going to face hard times ahead. And this lesson is relevant to us today as we, too, meet difficult days. So let's learn together what it looks like to abide in Christ, be a real disciple, and bear fruit for our Lord. I'm working through John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to take a moment here and read the passage. So if you can sit with your Bible and um, do that, that'd be great. If not, when you get back to a point today, whether you're out and about and listening to this on the road or you're just busy with things in the midst of your household, just take time later tonight to read through this passage when you get a moment. So again, I'm reading from John 15, verses 1 through 11. And as always, all my Bible references that I list will be in the show notes, so you can go back later and take a look at them. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, 
thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be full. So branches are dependent, and Jesus starts in John chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, as describing himself as the true vine. The Father is the vine dresser or the gardener, and his disciples as the branches. It's technically... Um, winter here as as I'm writing this, as I was writing this when it was fall, but it's really become winter here in Wisconsin. And there's just many branches on the ground as our season is really into the, we're just, we're really beginning winter here. It's felt like it though, I'll fall honestly. But a branch left alone and not attached is dead and there's no life in it. So those branches on the ground, they're dead. They're not attached to the trees or the bushes anymore. They are dead and it's really not good for anything but burning. So this is a picture Christ has given us of our life without being attached to him. It's Jesus we must draw life from. A branch a branch cannot live on its own. It needs to be connected to the vine. We can only bear fruit through communion with Christ through the Spirit. So when trees are alive, they bear fruit, right? We know that. If we are spiritually alive, we will bear fruit with God at work in us we will bear fruit. True branches or believers will remain attached to the vine and they will be tended to by the vine dresser. Branches that do not bear fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Branches that remain are believers or true disciples. Okay, let's talk a little bit about bearing fruit and painful pruning. So the branches that are united with the vine will bear fruit. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself, and that's from John 15, 4. So those that genuinely abide in the vine bear much fruit, from John 15, 5. God is glorified when we bear fruit, that's John 15, 8. And looking ahead then, in John 15, 6, we have been appointed to bear fruit. I might have that reference wrong. I'll double check that and put that in the notes if so. So God is the master gardener, and he prunes us by making each cut count. So we're going to bear more fruit. And I think when we think fruit, I know we think Galatians 5, 23 is a key passage for bearing fruit. Um, God trims away all the things in our life that would block the sunlight and the air. And in, in our life, I was going to say that's... the. It, I'm going to back up on that. So God trims away all the things in our life that would block the sunlight and air. And let me be clear on that. And in our life spiritually, I am picturing there the sunlight and the air is the word, God's word, the Bible, and the spirit, all right? But God is trimming away those things that are not going to allow it to get to the branch. So 
the fruit will become more visible and pruning can be really painful and something we wouldn't choose on our own. So God is cutting out those things in our life that is blocking and in pre, um, inhibiting the word and the spirit from getting to us, okay? No different than when you're tending your garden, you're pruning and cutting so the sunlight and the air can get to where it needs to so that those bushes or flowers or fruit trees or whatever you're pruning can bear more fruit. Charles Spurgeon reminds us, he says, it is the word that prunes the Christian. It is the truth that purges him. The scripture made living and powerful by the Holy Spirit eventually and effectively cleanses the Christian. So I want us to get this. God's word is the knife that prunes us. So ladies, the more we know and understand the word of God, the more it can do its work in us. Why it is so important, and I know I pound that a lot, we need to be in the word daily if possible, daily. Even if you just have the time to meditate and dwell on one passage to really take it in and understand it and work through it, that is better than no time in the word. So we know the only way a grapevine can produce quality grapes is by careful pruning by a vine dresser who loves and cares well for the plants. Our Father, God, He is the vine dresser and He always does what's best for the branches. He tends us. He sends us spiritual nutrition. He prunes and He cuts off whatever is hindering us from bearing more fruit. I always think of my sin as a weed and God exposes and pulls those weeds out. Every time we've been pruned, we bear fruit and we see this in our spiritual growth. We grow in our love for God and others. So what does it mean to abide? All right. So abide means to be held, to be kept continually and to dwell, to remain, to be present. So how do we do this? How do we abide and dwell, live with and make our home with Christ? And I'm sharing a definition from um, Pam Forrester from Doorpost blog. So I'm going to read her words because I love her definition of this. And I worked through John 15 on one of her online studies. So I really was blessed by my time in the word studying through this with her. But she said, abiding involves trusting, obeying, finding all we need in the vine, not detaching ourselves when things get difficult and becoming more and more in our experience what we already are declared to be in Christ. We're believing the truths of scripture and allowing the Holy Spirit to bring about the fruit of those truths in our lives. Christ abides in us when his word abides in us. The word, the words that Jesus spoke and all the rest of God's word is essential to our abiding in Christ. We remain and rest in him because we believe what God has said and what he has said through his son, the word made flesh. God's word must take root in our hearts if Christ is going to abide in us. The word must abide in us if it is going to bear fruit of trust and obedience and the character of Christ, the fruit of the spirit in our lives, end quote there. So the secret of fruit bearing can be summed up in one word obedience. And I'm going to read you John 15, 10 here. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. There's no other way to be a fruit bearer or happy in Jesus. And right here in my mind, and maybe y'all are singing it too, the song Trust and Obey comes to my mind at this moment. Why do we obey God? Because it's the place where true life and union with him is found. 
And then when we continue on in that passage in John chapter 15, he says that your joy may be complete. The word joy in John 15, 11 means cheerfulness, calm delight, and gladness. The joy Jesus shares with us as his followers is the fullness of joy experienced when he sat down at the right hand of his father and his glory was restored. Jesus promises us that his joy will be spread through our lives. Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Isaiah 53, 3 reminds us he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. We're never going to experience pain beyond what Jesus did, but we will have trials and suffering in this life. And the mark of a true Christian is one of joy, that is manifested apart from their circumstances. We can truly rejoice in the Lord always, as Philippians 4.4 reminds us. And 1 Peter 1.8 tells us, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. J.C. Ryle has a quote. He says, To abide in Christ means to keep up a habit of constant close communion with him, to be always leaning on him, resting on him, pouring out our hearts to him, and using him as our fountain of life and strength, as our chief companion and best friend. To have his words abiding in us is to keep his sayings and precepts continually before our memories and minds, and to make them the guide of our actions and the rule of our daily conduct and behavior, end quote there. And again, I will put any of those quotes and things in the show notes for you so you can ponder and meditate on them a little bit more too. But my closing thoughts here today, ladies, as Christian women, we all desire to be godly women. I desire Christ to manifest in my life as I interact with others. And what is the secret? It's abiding. How do I bear the fruit God intends for me? He tells me in John 15, remain in me, stay put, make your home. We are that branch attached to the vine. I love the images the Lord gives us because it makes the process so clear and simple. Gardeners love their gardens. I'm not a huge gardener anymore, but I have had gardens large and small in the past, and I tended to them with the hopes that they would produce what I hoped for whether it was vegetables or herbs or flowers. It was a lot of work and took a lot of time to tend and care for them. So picture again for me God, the perfect gardener. He knows just what we need. He brings the sun and the rain. He will cut back and cut off what we don't need. The pruning may be painful and not what we chose and not comfortable, but we have a gardener who loves us. And I love this picture. The life of the vine is transmitted to the branches and they bear fruit and that fruit is nourishment for others. As we remain and allow Christ to work through us, the fruit we bear, the fruit of the Spirit again comes to mind here, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It is spiritual nourishment for those the Lord has placed in our lives for our husbands, for our children, our friends, our church family, and to the lost world around us. And how do we do it? And I feel like this is worth repeating again. I'm reading from John chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. 
abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. God has given us his instruction book and the ability as believers to obey it and live by what it says. We do this moment by moment as we dwell with him. My hope, ladies, is that we would live joyfully in the garden that God has chosen for each of us. We're called to glorify him in the garden he has placed us in. And our Lord is the perfect gardener, and he knows just how to prune us, and he knows just where to plant things where they will grow and bear much fruit. We can't accomplish God's work in our own strength. When we look to ourselves and accomplishing things in our own strength, we're going to be unfruitful. But as we look to Christ and his work in us, we can bear much fruit for God. Jesus is enough always, my friends. So ladies, thank you so much for your time with me today. And again, for the complete show notes and all the verses we talked about here, head to my home on the web, thankfulhomemaker.com. And I know because we're close to Christmas, I do have some articles and podcasts from past years on the Christmas season, and I'm going to link to a few of them in the show notes here um, so you can find them easy. I have been kind of throwing them out on social media, but not all of you are on social media, so I'm going to put them in the link here so you can access them. You can always go to my blog, thankfulhomemaker.com, on the main page, and if you go to the right and down that sidebar, you'll see a search bar, and if you just type in the word Christmas, Anything related to Christmas will pop up there. So just if you want to look back at some past articles too. And again, ladies, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please tell others. And I hope it will help to foster conversations with your friends and spur you all on to love and good deeds and more love for Christ and his work of the gospel in our lives. If you have a moment and you can leave an iTunes review, it would be a huge blessing as more reviews help for other Christian women to find the podcast. So my friends, thank you so much and have a very blessed week.